When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, welcome back to Excuse My Friend. I'm Julia. I'm Alexis. <laughs> and today's guest is someone that we are so excited to have. We have Lizzie Enns, and she has an incredible story. She grew up in the Amish community and eventually chose to run away by jumping off a roof to escape. She created a whole new life for herself and left everything she knew behind. Lizzie later became a successful health coach, author, podcaster, and so much more. So thank you for being here, Lizzie. Why don't you take us back to your childhood and paint the picture about living and growing up in the Amish community? We want to know everything. I grew up in the strictest form of Amish community that you can grow up in. So even different than what they showed in that show. And so when you kind of think about where, what it was like on a day-to-day basis and what that looked like is we didn't have any kind of indoor plumbing. We had no electricity. We had outhouses. Um, we, because we didn't have running water, we had to heat up our own water. And so I, I never had a shower until after I left. So we took weekly bath. Um, every Saturday was bath time. So everybody got to take a bath uh, every Saturday night and I had 18 siblings. And so we, we sometimes had to share our own bath water (laughs) when we were younger, not as we got older, but then sometimes we would just take a bath out of a bucket too. And then, you know, pour the water over you at the end to like rinse off. So Yes, in that whole process, like you also had to like heat up your water in a big iron kettle and then take the water out of the kettle. So does that paint a picture? Oh, it paints a picture. All right. Are the Amish born in a hospital? They, unless it's an emergency, no, they typically give birth at a birthing center. I think my mom had uh, midwives, but I also, funny story is that she had the same doctor, I think for all of her kids, like she she had 19 kids. And, um, I, so we don't get social security numbers when, when we're born and, um, she, when I left, I had to apply for a social security number to, to get one. So that's another part of them that they don't want to be a part of the world and any government, um, anything. They don't want anything to do with the government where I'm from. There are other orders like old order, new order. They they will have social security numbers. Um, but with that being said, I had to go find my doctor that who was the doctor for my mom when I was born because I needed a medical record. And it was the only medical record that I had for when I was born. And I needed that medical record to apply for my social security number. So your mom had 19 kids. You have 18 siblings. Wow. 
Yes. Where are you in that mix? And what was that like growing up? I was right in the middle. So I have a twin. There's three sets of twins in the family. And I was number nine and she was number 10. So we're like really dead set in the middle. And, you know, I don't, I think that for us, like growing up with that many siblings, it was just normal. Like we didn't really think about it that much. Um, it's like cooking for an army three times a day. Like you cook oh for 20 God. people three times a day, but, and then everybody gets together for the meal and then all sit at the table at the same time for their meals. And I do think like, that's so amazing because one of the things that they do really, really good job at is they, they grow, uh, really, really strong communities and family bonds and connections. And I just feel like in this fast paced world, like that is what so many people are missing is that community. Were you homeschooled who like taught school? They have their own little one room schoolhouses in each like little community. So usually about five or six families will send their kids to that one room schoolhouse. And we learned, we went first through eighth grade and we just learned like the basic things. And it was taught by the, the people from the community, but we did pass grades. So like I've shown people like my graduation card from like, the eighth grade into promote, Hey, and now I'm promoted to housework. And they're like, Oh, that's like typical homeschool grade card. So they do have to run that through the state. Do Amish have their own like community of your own doctors, your own accountants, your own teachers. Like, is it like your own of all of that? Or do you ever go to the outside world for any of that? They definitely don't have their own doctors or if they are, if they are claiming to be a doctor, they definitely did not go to medical school. Oh they're no. <laughs> even even the the men like they don't go to like no nobody's or... allowed to go further than eighth grade e what i thought um, it was just the the females no nobody's allowed to go any further than the eighth grade wow. my fascination is the transportation you guys can't fly on planes you can't drive in cars unless it's an emergency is that right Correct. So where I'm from, we were not allowed to write and get a driver and like write in cars. Now, if you saw other more liberal modernized Amish, like old order, new order, they have drivers, like 15 passenger vans that these people, their full-time job is driving Amish people around as like an Amish taxi. But we were not allowed to do that. The only time we were allowed to ride in a car is if there was an emergency to go somewhere. New order, old order. Can you explain that? Yeah. So new order, old order is just a much more advanced version of the Amish. And they dress quite, quite different, differently than where I'm from. And they had indoor plumbing. So they didn't have electricity, but they had indoor plumbing. So they had showers, they had their bathrooms or toilets and things like that. We had outhouses. And, um, and then they're allowed to have like phone shacks in their corners of their community. So they can use that community phone call to go make phone calls. If they have a business, they can have a laptop or a phone, some kind of computer if they have a business. And I think a lot of them break their rules. And then they also have their, their own businesses where they sell, you know, Amish things, or they may have a restaurant. So they're much, much, much more advanced. And exa another example is they're allowed to have like the most beautiful homes ever and flowers and all of those things outside. We weren't even allowed to have flowers like around our buildings and stuff. Yeah. Well, so why is that? Like, why weren't you able to or allowed to have flowers? 
flowers are for them it was a form of decorations and they weren't allowed to have decorations so anything that the world viewed as like hey this is beautiful and this makes our you know property look nicer or whatever the case may be that was the their whole thing is like we're not of the world like we're not part of the world and so that turned into like hey that's a worldly thing because that's what the world uses so mm -hmm. like we weren't allowed to have music or cameras and I do remember someone uh, mentioning this recently and I forgot about this, but when someone tried to take a picture of us, like we had to turn our face away or like cover our face because they were, were not allowed to take pictures. And they believe that someone taking a picture of you is like a, the devil, like getting into your soul. Like that's like stealing your soul. As a kid, <laughs> like, or even just kid, adult, teenager, what do you do for fun? If you can't listen to music, watch TV, like what, what do you do all day, every day? We, well, we, we learned how to work at a very young age. So like at five years old, I was carrying wood into the house for the wood burning stoves. I was, you know, cleaning up the dishes after the meals. So we learned how to do that very early on, but our form of play was making our own memory games play. We would take these, um, cornflakes boxes these cardboard cornflakes boxes and cut like little rectangle cards and then write you know, bird names or animal names or whatever on it. And we create this massive pile of memory cards. Uh, and then we play memory and then we play, you know, marbles or Scrabble and stuff like that. We read books. And then as a young kid, like we would play outside, we play, you know, hide and seek and play with the wagon and that kind of stuff. There's, there was no electronics or TV yeah. or anything like that. See, this is so random, but say like you get your period. Like who has those conversations with you? Are you like, how does that work? Also, what do you use? Not to get too graphic, but we want to get graphic. So get graphic. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you the story of the first time I got my period and I knew nothing about periods. Had right. never, That's what I'm assuming. never heard of it before. Yeah. So vivid. I'm, I'm like in school. I got my period when I was like 10, like I was really young and I'm like upstairs getting ready to go to school. And I'm like, why does it feel like I'm like peeing my pants? And so I like take a look and there's like all this blood. And I was like, what is happening? I'm like, I'm dying. I have to go to the hospital. And I like quickly go downstairs and I'm like, mom, there's blood. Like there's something wrong with me. Mm. I had never heard of any of this. She like takes me to the bedroom and she goes, Lizzie, this is all normal. You're going to be fine. This is going to be happening every month. And I was like, what? And she's like, no, no, this is just, and there was no other explanation behind it. I was petrified. I was like, what the heck? And so I was supposed, we walked three miles to school every morning, three miles back. And one of their rules is that you're not allowed to go barefoot and you're not allowed to run when you're on your period or lift heavy things. Why? What? Wait, so you can't be barefoot or run when you're on your period or lift. Why? Their belief is that it will damage your body and you in the future wouldn't be able to have kids. Okay. I figured. Yeah. So I, she told me that morning, she's like, Lizzie, you can't go to school today. Like you can't, you can't walk to school. You have to stay home, rest, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mom, I have a test today. I have to go to school. And she's like, okay, fine. You can go to school, but don't run. You're not allowed to run. And I was like, so this whole time, like my head is just spinning. Like, 
what is going on. And then we used homemade cloth. So my mom had to like show me like how we, we use these homemade cloth and then we would bleach them and wash them and reuse them. Wow. Oh, that my. Is how thick was the cloth? Like, was it thick? Um, was like so, thing- what, so what we did is we used cotton blankets, like old cotton blankets. We cut them up and then we would sew together like layers of it to make it like nice and thick so it could absorb. Oh, and I bet that was so scary too. Cause if you don't know what it is, that is a terrifying oh, experience. Yeah. Like, why am I bleeding? Why am I yeah, in pain? What is happening? And then for your mom to be like, this is going to happen every month for the next like 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're like, what is wow. happening? I, yeah. um, I saw on the TLC show, um, one of the gals had some teeth issues and there was something with the Amish and they pull your teeth out or, or she had fake teeth. Is that a thing? Can you talk about that? Most people don't know this, but my top teeth are not real. What do you mean your top teeth? Like all of them? You go. They're mm-hmm. not real? Mm-mm. I had all my top teeth pulled out when I was 17. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't ever go to the dentist. Um, And people always ask why. And really, there's no education behind it. There's, they're not taught like, hey, you need to take care of your teeth. So a lot of their teeth based on like, Hey, they're, they're eating lots of sugar. And on top of that, we weren't allowed to start brushing our teeth until we were about eight. And then we only like brush our teeth like once a week. What do you think is going to happen to your teeth? Yeah. So when I was, when I was like 16 and a half, 17, all of my top teeth, like were so sensitive. I could, I could barely eat or drink anything cold or hot. And so their solution to that is you just pull your teeth. And so I like pulled all my, had all my teeth pulled, but I had like really bad infection, like gum disease, but they didn't know I had gum disease. I know now that I had gum disease. So pulled all the teeth, put the dentures in right away. And it was, it was miserable. I got so sick. I want to talk about dating, dating in the Amish life world. Oh yes. I'm so fascinated by this whole thing. Let's, let's get juicy here because this this stuff is like blows people's minds they start dating around 16 and a half that's that's the dating age and then once you are let's let's just say I'm the one that's like in that age and I'm gonna like go on a date I could be in bed sleeping on a Saturday night and uh it could be midnight and all of a sudden you know a horse and buggy comes down the road and there might be like three or four guys in that buggy and one of them wants to go on a date with me the three guys that are with him will come upstairs into my room in the middle of the night. Not the guy that wants to go on a date, the other three, and they'll come up and they will ask me if I want to go on a date with this guy. If I say no, they have to go. They can't stay. If I say yes, what they do is they go outside, they grab the guy and they say, yes, she wants to go on a date with you. And then they all come inside. Everybody will be hanging out. (laughs) I, I know, right? meanwhile the parents know that all of this is happening it's just what they do and and it's their way of dating that's that's their belief and so they'll all hang out for an hour or two they'll probably like go to the pantry and get some pie and cookies and eat that you know just bullshitting hanging out and then and then eventually the the three guys that are not there for the date 
will get up and leave. And the guy that's there for the date will stay. And so you're after that, you're like, you're supposed to go to bed. Light is supposed to go out. I don't know if it always goes out or not, but I know that it's supposed to go out. And then your date is you're laying in bed together. You talk. And then all of a sudden the guy has to take the lead and he like wraps his arms around you and you're supposed to wrap your arms around him. It's called bundling without the board. And, and then they're supposed to like roll back and forth a little bit like rocking. And then, and then he'll uh, either kiss you on the cheek or on the lips. And I have this like theory that if he really likes you, he's going to kiss you on the lips. But if he doesn't really like you and he's not really into you, like he'll probably just kiss you on the, on the cheek. Uh Yeah. And then, and then after that, like they let go and they go back to talking. And I always say this, if it's boring, you go to sleep. And if it's not boring, you're up all night. Every so often, all of a sudden he's like, well, I got to do another roll. He goes back to rolling. <laughs> right. Like I'm like picturing this. It's like so awkward. I kind of want to try that though. The next time like, I haven't. Yeah. Try it. We're just rolling. We're just rolling. Now do, is there like, yeah. Do people cross the line though and actually do things ever? or cause you guys probably don't believe in sex before marriage, but do people, you know, or yeah, is it like that... touching of like, you know, the boobs, the ass, like any of that. No, it's not supposed to be. Okay. But sometimes- um, not, not, there's not supposed to be obvious that that's happening. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I know that that stuff happens too. There's also like assaults and stuff like that, that happens. Like, well, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. So that stuff is definitely right. prevalent in the, in the community yeah. and do people cross like that. It's very clear. Like you're not supposed to have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. When I started, when my tuna and I started dating the night that we was going to be our first outing for dating, all my mom said to us was keep your clothes on. There was no other like explanation behind why we were taught like sex was bad and obviously like kids talk. So like I knew things, but the concept behind, Hey, if you have sex, you could get pregnant and then what? And so, and and there was no like sex at, you know, behind all of that, like, here's actually how it works. Like there was, there was none of that. And so it's, it's really, really like vulnerable place that they put you in because it's like if you don't even know any of those things mm-hmm. and now you're in the situation like the biggest piece that I see now is like women actually don't know how to defend themselves mm-hmm. like if if something were to happen or something does happen the women are very very suppressed and they they don't really have a voice and so if someone you know tries to take advantage of them like it's most likely going to happen just because they don't know how to speak up and defend oh. themselves. And the guys know that, I'm sure. They know. Okay, the women, they're submissive. They're not going to say anything. If they find out you have sex. Like, what's the punishment if you go out of the lines? If you're a member of the church, you get shunned. So a member of the church means that you got baptized and you are supposedly abiding to the rules of the church and you know all the rules of the church. And so shunning is you're not uh, allowed to, because I'm, I'm, I was a member of the church, so I'm shunned because I left but let's say I was there and um I did something and they want to shun me it could be two weeks it could be two months it depends on what I did and the severity of it shunning means you're not allowed to be uh doing anything 
any kind of communion or anything like that with other members of the church. So for example, like I remember some of my older brothers would get shunned for something. I don't know what, and they wouldn't be allowed to sit at the entire dinner table or lunch table with all the rest of the family. They would have to wait until we were done eating or eat at a completely separate Mm -hmm. table. If when people get married, is there any like wild marriage ceremonial? Like what's a Amish wedding? Like it's an all day event. Yep. They start at 8 a.m. and they usually have anywhere from two to 400 people that get invited and they'll have the ceremony at, so the, the main wedding happens at the girl's parents' house. Okay. So that the, that house is going to be getting prepared for the wedding for about two weeks, like a week and a half to two weeks. So they announce the gate and they get engaged and about a week and a half to two weeks later, they get married. So then they like feed everybody for dinner. And then after dinner, the families typically go home, but all the kids that are in the dating age stay because they have their own activity thing at night. And um, usually about nine o'clock at night is when all, when the married couple gets together in a room upstairs somewhere. And um, this is when everybody brings their gifts to them. So they do give them gifts to like get their life started as a married couple. And then after they're done with that, right around midnight is when um, all the young kids that are dating, they have their own thing. They usually like hang, uh, is either in the basement or in the wash house where they do some kind of like, I call it a tag game now, but they play some kind of game where they create couples. So a guy could be like, hey, I want to take Lizzie to the midnight table. So he may come up to me and be like, hey, do you want to walk with me to the midnight table? And so they pair, they all pair. The guy usually takes, a, the guys get to choose. The girls don't get to choose. The girls just have to kind of be like, eh, well, you know. What if the guy can... you like picks your friend and then the guy you don't want picks you? It's like, oh. Yeah, I mean, you're like, well, I didn't want to pick him. Him. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go with him, but whatever. <laughs> so, so then at midnight, everybody, the married couple and everybody, they walk into the midnight table um, in couples. And it's a big deal because everybody wants to know who's going with who. Mm, we it's a gossip. big deal. Yeah. It's a yeah. big deal. So like a typical date, like you don't, you don't go out, like they can't like wine and dine you, these guys mm-hmm. and like woo nope. you over. So the typical date is just, let's go to the basement. Let's go let's like, let's, let's go like, to touch each other. Is that right? Like I don't, I'm so lost. You're not allowed to be seen in public. Once you start, and then like, if you, if a guy, like if I had a date with someone and he, he could, at the end of that date in the morning, he could be like, Hey, can I come back in two weeks? They're only allowed to see each other every two weeks. Yeah. I had a boyfriend from New York and I had to write, we had to write letters to each other. So we probably only see, saw each other like once or twice a year. Wow. And then other than that, like we wrote, cause we didn't have phones. So like we couldn't call or text or anything like that. So we had to write letters. That's and yeah, I mean, yeah, we became like pen pals. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of nice. You don't it's have to cute. wait for the text. You don't have to like I know, I... look into their text. What does this mean? The way Did they, they said read it. the text. My right. God, the way this they said it like, liking. is like, I love you a weird thing. Like, is there a certain moment you have to say it or can you just say it freely? Like, do families say I love you? Like, how's that? Families don't say I love you. My parents never said I love you. It's wow. uh, and we never got hugs growing up either. So it's a 
it's like a form of public display of affection and they don't mm. believe in showing that so no even at They're the wedding like you don't kiss and you're like love you or whatever no i think when they actually get married they are supposed to give each other a kiss on the cheek okay and so it's like just stuff right like, <laughs> you have to like see it you have to like you'd be like okay like they got to like kiss each other on the cheek no, like it's like a big deal so you've been removed from the Amish community for 19 years now? Yes, I removed myself. You removed yourself. And I heard that you jumped. That's what Julia told off me. Off a roof. That you jumped off of a roof. I wasn't sure what you jumped off of, but she just like, she's like, she, she jumped. jumped. She I'm like, jumped. that's all I need to know. So yes. yeah, how'd you escape? How and why and yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the why first. The why is uh, one for many years from my early teens until 19, when I did finally leave, I, I just knew in my, my soul and my spirit that I wasn't supposed to be there for the rest of my life. I could never envision it. I could never see it. Um, but there's, there's a, there's things that have to happen along the way. Like you have to like, cause you, like, you don't know, like, you don't know where you're going to go. And you also believe that you're a terrible person for wanting to leave because that's what they teach you. Mm -hmm. So to them, it's like, Hey, if you leave, yeah, you're condemned for the rest of your life. And I just got to that place where I said to myself, if I am going to go to hell for putting a pin wrong in my dress, then I might as well go to hell driving a car. Like that was my thought process. Like really? And so I couldn't, I couldn't get on board with that. And then I also couldn't get on board with all the rules that they were putting in place and the way that they were treating people and saying like, Hey, you're being shot because you didn't dress right. Like really? And so to me, I couldn't, I couldn't believe in the God that they were teaching who he was. Like, I, I just couldn't get on board with that. When my twin and I were 17, we actually ran away together for two days and we were the first ones in the family to ever do that. But at on the second day, one of our brothers found out where we were staying, which was at a cousin's house. We had an older cousin that had left a few years before and we went to his house. And this was back when home phones were still in. And our one of our brothers found out we were there and he called the house. Well, my twin picked up the phone in the kitchen and I picked it up in the living room, but I didn't say anything. I just listened to their entire conversation. And at the end of that conversation, she said, I can't do this to mom. I can't do this to our family. We have to go back home. You have to come pick us up. And like, I can still feel my body when I share that story. I can still feel what I felt at that moment. I was so incredibly devastated. And I just knew that I didn't belong there. I, I thought I was out and I thought I was like ready to go. But because she went back, I felt like I needed to go back because we were really close. So we went back and uh, the following day I told her, I said, listen, I, I'm not going to stay here for the rest of my life. Like I can't. And she said, no, I can't either. But she's there still. She got married six months after I left. I wasn't allowed to be at her wedding and she has 10 kids. Wow. So she did stay. Yeah. And I hope, I truly hope she's happy, but I have not talked to her in about 12 years. Wow. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a long time. So leading up to two years later, when I finally did leave, I had become a church member during that, those two years, got baptized and was dating a guy from New York. And so all of this is happening while I'm also feeling like 
none of this is ever going to last. Like, I'm just not, I'm just going through the motions right now because this is what's expected. Mm -hmm. And so I'm right. I'm dating this guy from New York and we're writing letters to each other. And it's my turn to deliver a letter to the mailbox. At this time, I'm working at my oldest sister's house where she just had a baby and I was there to help her out. And I'm delivering the letter to their mailbox. It's up at the top of the hill away from the house. They can't even see me. And when I open up the mailbox to deliver my letter, there's a note in there. And I recognize the handwriting right away. I knew it was my boyfriend's handwriting, but it didn't have an address on it. It just had my name on it. And it said owner only. Like I was the only one that was allowed to look at it, which is a very common thing that they do. And I was like so confused. I was like, how did, how did this get in the mailbox? It doesn't even have an address on it. And we had never talked about leaving ever. So I open up the note and he tells me that his sister and her boyfriend and he uh, drove down with a mutual friend of ours that had left a few years before and they left the Amish and they ran away. And he says, if you want to leave, I will come by tonight at 10 p.m. and we'll pick you up. And I literally like snapped my fingers and I said, I'm leaving. I have the chills twice and I haven't gotten emotional about this in a long time. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. No, don't apologize. No. Um, Wow. Well, it's such a special moment and that timing and like the note, like what are the odds that you see that note there? Just leave. And it's like, you were waiting to leave, but you're waiting for the right time. Right? Like I was a hundred percent ready. It was just the how and the when two weeks leading up to this moment, I knew something in my spirit that something big was going to change. I just didn't know what. I believed in God, but not in the way that I believe in God now. Like it was just different. And I would go to bed every night and every night, you know how it feels like when you're like almost falling asleep, like into that like deep sleep and then you like get woken up sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, every night for two weeks leading up to me leaving, every night when I would be at that moment, it, I would get woke up and it would feel like someone was shaking my bed. And it would happen like five or six times every night before I was finally like able to fall asleep. I thought, I thought it was like God punishing me because I was like running around. I was listening to music. I was doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I was like, oh, he's punishing me. Like he knows what I'm thinking about, whatever. Well, I know now that that's not what that was. It was like, no, like you need to get the hell out. Like it's your time. Like you need to go. But I didn't, I didn't know. So I, I read the note, I say I'm leaving, but then I have like the rest of the day to figure out like, how am I going to leave? So I go back downstairs, we have lunch. I couldn't eat. And I had to figure out like, do I tell someone? No, I don't tell anybody because if I do, there's going to be an intervention. And so I can't tell anybody. I wait until nighttime when it's time to go to bed. And I go upstairs, I'm on the third floor. And as soon as I get up into my room, I rip off my covering. I let my hair down and I write a note to my family and I tell them that I have to go. I said, it has nothing to do with you because I knew my mom was going to have a really, really, really hard time. But I, I just said like, this has nothing to do with any of you, but I have to go. When I think back to that time, I'm like, wow, I was actually really wise writing that. I didn't, Very. Like, I didn't have any kind of like, like education behind any of that, but I had the empathy behind it. Right. So I write the note 
And then I grab a, a couple things, like I had $20 to my name and a, like a little flashlight or whatever. My boyfriend's already up at the top of the hill, like flashing, like, hey, we're here. So I was so scared to just walk downstairs to like pretend I have to go to the bathroom or something. I couldn't do that because I was so afraid someone would know that I was thinking about leaving. So I go over to the window to climb out onto the roof. When I open the window and I start climbing out, there was a dog underneath on the porch and he just like starts barking like crazy. And I was like, oh, now they for sure know. Yeah. And I pause and I just like froze. Finally, my brother-in-law like opens the door and and he like shoots the dog away. And the dog like runs down to the barn and like leaves me alone. My brother-in-law still doesn't know to this day that he helped me leave. Because if he wouldn't have shooed that dog away, I don't know what would have happened. Totally. I finally climb out onto the roof and I'm contemplating for 30 minutes sitting on that roof. How do I jump off of this roof and not break a bone? This is a 15 foot roof. And meanwhile, I'm thinking about my twin is getting married in six months. I could stay so that I can be at her wedding and then leave after that. But I also knew that if I stayed six more months and the community knows that my boyfriend left, they're going to be watching me like a hog. So like, no, I'm not staying. And I'm also thinking about all the people that I'm leaving behind my family. I don't know if I'll ever see my family again. And I know that I may never be, uh, you know, family gatherings, anything. I don't even know if I can go to a funeral if someone dies. So here's the thing about that moment. That rooftop moment is one of the most pivotal moments in my entire life. And it is also uh, relevant to many people in their lives as well. Not Not like physically jumping off a roof, but metaphorically. So in our lives, we get stuck. We have these moments of like, hey, we want to move forward and we want to work towards something. We have goals and we have dreams, but a lot of times we have to let go of things behind us in order to move forward into that. And so what I tell people is don't get stuck on the roof. Don't get so paralyzed on that roof that you are holding on so tight to your past and the things that you have to let go of that you can't even make that leap forward. And that detachment sometimes has to happen. Doesn't mean that you have to let go of your family the way that I did. And it doesn't mean that you physically have to jump off that roof the way that I did. But metaphorically, yes, we have to. So I, I uh, after about 30 minutes of sitting there and figuring out how I'm going to jump off that roof, I finally like take a deep breath and I like make every bone in my body limp. I take a deep breath and I jump and I land and I don't break a bone. Oh, thank God it was meant to be. Yeah. The road was about 10 feet, 10 to 20 feet away from me. And I couldn't even run to the road. I was so scared. Someone hurt me jump that I quickly went to the side of the building. And then I ran around three to four large buildings all the way to the back of the property and then up to the hill to meet my boyfriend and his friends, because I didn't want anybody to like hear me jump and then see me run out to the road. I knew that the jump created freedom into the destiny of where I was meant to go. And even though like I couldn't comprehend that, I had no clue what my life was going to look like, what I was going to do, how I was going to make money. I never had a job before to even create money. I didn't even know that you had to pay rent. Like I didn't know any of those things. I just knew I had to go and then I could figure it out along the way. So you're in the car driving leaving the Amish life behind with $20 in your pocket. As soon as I get in the car, like everybody's screaming 
and we turn on the music like really really loud because for the first time like we could listen to music mm -hmm. without feeling like we have to watch over our shoulders and someone you feel going. a sense of freedom yeah it definitely a sense of freedom it is the most overwhelming feeling ever because you have a sense of freedom but at the same time you're detaching yourself from the life that you knew and the family and not knowing like you your mind is racing so much because you're like, do they know already? Do they know that I left? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? Because it's like someone died mm -hmm. to them. Like they mourn you as if you died. Mm -hmm. So all of that is happening. And then on the other side of that is there's a massive culture shock that happens because there's so much that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so when you start like walking into the, into the real world of, hey, like we got to put on our big girl panties and like figure this stuff out. Um, you start to, to learn and realize like how much you don't know. Wow. That's where like the, that that's where a lot of people like kind of get stuck where they start hi hibernating. A lot of, uh, young kids get really heavy into alcohol and drugs mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that, because it's like, hi, they, they don't know. And I always tell people like, they sort of treat law enforcement, like, uh, like the preachers, because with the preachers, you could be like, lie about something and you wouldn't go to jail, but law enforcement doesn't work like that. And so they had to learn, like, you can't do that to, if you get in trouble with the law enforcement, like you can't just lie your, your way out of it. So there's a learning curve that has to happen. So for me, I, I got introduced to this couple, Jake and Anna who had left, they were married, but they had left about five years before then and had stable jobs. They were doing really well. And I still don't know why I was the one that was chosen, but I was chosen to, uh, my friend called them and said, Hey, would you guys be okay? If Lizzie would come live with you guys for a while until she has like, she's on her feet and has things figured out. And they said, yes. They said, you can live with us for $50 a month on rent for your room and we'll cover all other expenses and we'll help you get your social security number, your driver's license, a car, and once you have those things, then you can move out on your own. And I did all that in under two months. Wow. Oh my god! So you gosh. were ready. You were like motivated. You're like, I want to have a life. I want my social security. I want to have a job. I want to do this. You're so inspiring. There's just no excuse. Jeez Louise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just goes to show like if your back is up against the wall and you're determined and you want something bad enough, you're going to make it happen. But I will, I will tell you this. I do credit a lot of that determination and work ethic to my background too, because we worked a lot and we learned how to work and we didn't have Netflix to be like, eh, I feel like doing that today. I'm just going to like Netflix it and chill out on a couch. Mm -hmm. No, there was none of that. I our only day of resting was on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. No other day were we allowed to just sit around and not do anything. Wow. So you had that ingrained in you. Yeah. 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 Amish are hustlers. What was the hardest thing or like the most shocking thing or hardest thing to get adjusted to in the real world or the thing that you were most amazed by in the real world? I think for me that the thing that I was the most amazed by was like how large the world actually is. Mm. Like the concept of like how, how small it was. Like when I was at home, it was kind of like, Oh, you know, it's just our little community. Like do you, you just didn't realize how much there is to see in the world. Mm -hmm. So other countries, like, just like, I didn't really know any, I knew about China, 
but I didn't really know. <laughs> we were taught that China was like under underneath the ground, like same. The- I was yeah. <laughs> yeah. the playground that always be like, you can dig to China. I never heard and that before. So, yeah, probably the first year or two, I I started to realize how little I knew, and like that made me really insecure for a while, where I started to like go into a shell and sort of like hide myself, and I would not tell people where I was from, how I grew up. And I would like pretend that I knew things that I didn't know when I was in conversation with people because I didn't want them to like think I was dumb. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of pretending until I, and then I I was determined. Like I just was like, you know what? Like I'm going to align myself with people that don't come from the Amish community and I want to be friends with them. Um, <clears throat> and I did that. And I said, I can't learn what I need to learn if I'm only with four or Amish people. I need to be with people that are not. And so that's what I did because I I wanted to learn and grow. That's so cool. And you became a boss babe. Yeah, now you're the successful lady. Health coach. How did you get in- involved with that? Like- it took me probably about three years or so to kind of like integrate into the world and then uh, get. I went and got my GED. And while I was getting my GED, the first time anybody ever asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to go to college? What do you want to do? That was my my GED teacher. She wow. was the first one that ever asked me that, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what what would I want to be. Right. She's like, Lizzie, you could do anything that you want. Do you want to go be a nurse? Do you want to like what do you want to do? And um, I had never heard of like essays. She had to like teach me what an essay. I was like freehand thinking, freehand writing. Like what what. Like I have to like come up with my own concept of something. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I nailed it. Like I, I uh, studied really, really hard and I passed the GED test the first time around and she gave me like the honor student and um, she's like, you should go to college or do whatever you want to do. But I didn't end up going to college. I was working at a nursing home at the time and I was like really thinking about like, what do I really want to do? And I had slowly started to get into like health and fitness. Um, I had my own background story of like my own health problems and stuff like that, but I was cleaning house for this lady and she invited me to start marathon running, but I started marathon running. And that's, that was the beginning of me, like starting, starting my health and fitness journey. I still so vividly remember I was, I was standing in a patient's room and I had my back turned towards the TV and this commercial comes on and they start talking about some nutrition degree thing. And it like did something to my brain. And I literally like turned around and I pointed physically at the TV. And I said, that's what I'm going to be doing one day. Fast forward a few years. I didn't, I'm not married anymore, but I did end up getting married and we moved to Arizona. And after I moved to Arizona, um, I went to personal training school. So I did personal training first. And then after that, I I studied holistic health and got certified as a holistic health coach. And I did that for a few years as a trainer and a coach. And then when 2020 happened, I was training, I was working at a small private training studio here in Phoenix. But when 2020 happened and everything got shut down, God was like, it's your time. Like you need to like go do your own thing. And I had been thinking about it for a few years. I just didn't have the confidence and didn't know like how to do it. But 2020 pushed me that way. And I, uh, so I did, I, uh, it was like summer of 2020, I launched my online coaching business in August. And by December, I quit my in-person 
training job and went full-time online. My company's name is Undiet You. And I really like teach people like how to like um, heal their bodies. I work on hormones and thyroids because, oh, I forgot to share this. Twenty In 2020, I went back to school and I studied functional nutrition. So then I became a board certified functional nutrition practitioner. And that's what led me into hormones, thyroid, um, and all of that stuff. So I go very, very in depth with that. And you also have a podcast. I do. Yes. Well, the let's hear my, it. Yes. My podcast is called I'm not fine. And <laughs> the reason for that is, um, most people that come to me are told by their doctors that their labs are fine, that they're fine. There's nothing wrong. And then the patient's like, but I'm not fine. My body's telling me that I'm not fine. And so when I was thinking about what that should be, that was, that was like, that's it. And so that podcast is very much health and wellness. Like it's just loaded with so much health and wellness information. And then I throw in some Amish stuff as well. Where can people find you? I know you're an author as well. And we're going to link all your stuff too, but just shout out where people can find you. Yes. My main places where people can find me is Lizzie N's underscore wellness for Instagram and then on TikTok, I am Lizzie H underscore wellness. And if you look for me and it's not verified, then it's not me. So mm -hmm. it has to be a verified account because they're both verified. And then you'll know that it's me. Mm -hmm. Wow. You heard it here, folks. Well, thank you <laughs> so much. And you're so inspiring and beautiful. And I love your teeth. And, <laughs> and we love you. And, this has been a blast. and when we're in Arizona, because we're from Arizona, too, which we didn't mention that before when we were recording, let's all get together and go to lunch or something. Yes, hit me up. I'm Yay. totally game for that. Oh, yes. Yay. Well, thank you, Lizzie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.